0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. To the transgender community, I am more than willing to give you an audience, but she will not summon me. I am not bending to anybody's demands. And if you want to meet with me, I'd be more than willing to, but I have some conditions. (laughs) First of all, you cannot come if you have not watched my special from beginning to end. You must come to a place of my choosing and a time of my choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gatsby is not funny.
1: So that's the voice of Dave Chappelle, I recognize. What's that giant crowd he's speaking in front of? I uh, did a show in Nashville, I believe. Okay. He's, uh, he's doing his uh, gig around the country. All right. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to the community, but you don't get to summon me and expect me to show up. Good to be rich. It is.
2: It is. Although, you know, I was going to... I mentioned Dave Chappelle a couple of times already today, and I I salute him for fighting back, for saying what is clearly true, for defending himself, you know, eloquently and forcefully. The obvious response to that is, well, he's got tons of money. He can. But... I think the problem is right now, there are people who have enough money and enough clout to push back and and do and say what's right who aren't. They're cowed into silence. So my message would just be to everybody listening, if you can push back against these fundamentalist, Maoist, crazy people, the cancel culture... Do it. Find the courage to do it. If in your mind you realize you can't, you don't have the clout, you don't have the money, you're too young, you're, you know, you don't have, well, the clout and money, that's fine. That's, that's understandable. I get it. But if you do, by God, don't bow to these people's will. Be inspired by Chappelle. Push back.
1: So is taking down Confederate statues part of cancel culture or is it something different? I certainly uh, am anti-taking down any statue. I don't care who it is. I don't like mobs taking down statues. That's not the way we should make decisions. Yeah, I think it's part of it. It's almost like shading
2: or a continuum. Uh, a quick swat on your kid's butt is fine. Beating them isn't. Um, it just it, it, You cross a line at a certain point that it's not a legitimate expression of, okay, why do we have tributes to somebody who attacked our country? Um, to you know, then you're just being a nitpicky fundamentalist when you're, say, demanding Thomas Jefferson statue be taken out of New York City Hall.
1: Why do I bring up Confederate statues? Well, I uh, read a review yesterday of this what's supposed to be fabulous new biography of Robert E. Lee that is written by a guy I don't know named Alan Guelzo. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he is uh, one of the few uh, conservative-leaning historians who writes things. And uh, this uh, new biography of Robert E. Lee is supposed to be incredibly well-balanced, you know, highlights, strengths, weaknesses, flaws, all of it. And the point he makes is one that I think actually maybe I came across this from Tim Sandifer's uh, Twitter feed as I think about it. The point he makes and the review of the book makes is something that Tim, the lawyer, Tim Sandifer, on our show has mentioned many times, so... Robert E. Lee's giant statue just came down in the capital of Virginia, Richmond, last month. Mm -hmm. So a giant Robert E. Lee statue had stood in the capital of Virginia for quite a few years and just came down. But as is pointed out here in this review, the reason it came down, according to everybody in the crowd and everybody that was cheering, is because he was a racist. And the author of this new biography is saying lots of people were racists back then, you know. it's kind of the old Bill Maher line, if you were born back then, you probably would have been a racist too. Don't pretend that you'd be different if you because you'd be like you are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not better than you. They were just born in a different time. Lots of people were racist in the, the founders of our country. Not all of them, but lots and lots and lots of people because that was just a view of the world at the time. The thing that Robert E. Lee did that should have his statue brought down according to this author is the fact that he was a traitor to his own country. And that gets left out of every conversation. It's all Correct. about, about who is a racist and who is not a racist, who had slaves who didn't have slaves, and not were they traitors to their own nations. Let me read a little bit from this review, because I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I'll skip all this, because I just summarized it for you. Um, the relative indifference to treason is a symptom of our intelligentsia's weakening devotion to the nation-state. Uh, He makes the point that while the crowd was cheering bringing down the statue because Robert E. Lee was, quote, a racist. Robert E. Lee, by the way, according to the author of this book, uh, Abraham Lincoln first wanted Robert E. Lee to command the Union Army. Robert E. Lee said, I can't take up arms against my own state. I'm a Virginian, and I just can't take up arms against my own state. He said, I'd rather free every slave in this country than see the Union come apart but I can't take up arms against my own state. So to what extent? He's racist. All this is complicated. All human beings are complicated. There are nuances to all this. Nobody ever wants to admit that. But the line he crossed was taking up arms against his own country. Mm -hmm. And as it said here, the Richmond crowd cheering the removal of a racist statue would never be able to work up that kind of righteous anger against Chelsea Manning or Edward Snowden, other traitors to their own country. The relative indifference to treason is a symptom of our intelligentsia's weakening devotion to the nation state. In the cosmopolitan atmosphere of globalism, writes the author of the new biography, the notion of treason has acquired an antique feel. This is a weakening of nation states. As he said, for all its faults, the nation state works really well as a stay against ethnic, dynastic, that'd be kings and queens and all that sort of stuff, and religious mischief of the kind that put Europe in a state of perpetual warfare for hundreds and hundreds of years, to wave away treason as a crime, as to put in jeopardy many of the the benefits that the nation-state has uh, put upon modern world. I thought that was really interesting and really good. The idea that there's such thing as a nation, and it's important, and you should be loyal to it, Mm -hmm. because it keeps us from having kings or theocracies or anything. Or, again, the constant warring over
2: resources and land and people and the rest of it that has marked mankind since the
1: beginning, until the institution of the modern nation-state. Nobody cares about treason anymore. If you're a racist, oh, you're the worst sort of person that has ever existed. Statue has to come down. You took up arms against your own country? Eh, what are you going to do?
2: Right, right. And the whole globalist utopia thing is just such a fantasy. It is such a childlike, unrealistic fantasy. China would swoop in and impose the most horrific, oppressive government you've ever seen in your life the minute American power was withdrawn from the stage.
1: China is asshole! No doubt. But anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Tim has been making that argument on our show for many, many years that it was the treason of those Confederates that is the thing. That you should really, really uh, not approve. Yeah, yeah. The, the my only racism, quibble, slavery. I'm not saying those are not bad things. They are, of course not. Obviously bad things.
2: Right. My only quibble is with the example of Snowden, which is a little complicated, since he unleashed a lot of stuff that should not have been unleashed, but he also blew the whistle on some unbelievably unconstitutional excesses in our intelligence community. So again, I'm just I would like to throw that asterisk into the uh, the discussion and. We can move on.
1: Yeah, by the way, speaking of China, I, I, I was watching um, what's a, the John Oliver show on HBO that he does uh, this week tonight or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting show. It's like the old Daily Show, only he goes way long on segments. So he had a 25-minute segment on Taiwan, which was as educational about Taiwan and its history and its current place in the world as anything I've come across. Wow. And, and it included a lot of jokes. But uh, just fascinating, and you know, the president the other day misstating our nation's policy on whether or not we would come to Taiwan's defense, which has caused a lot of people to write a bunch of articles and give a bunch of speeches in the last several days. Of should we should the United States as of now formally declare? Yep, we're on Taiwan's side. You attack Taiwan, we're coming to their defense. I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. That's an interesting argument to have. But uh, the point that John Oliver was making in another podcast I was listening to from a a Japan expert is Taiwan goes, Japan is under the thumb of China almost immediately. The whole world changes overnight if China takes Taiwan and we don't stand up to it. Yeah. I'd like to hear more of that
2: reasoning. I mean, because we would absolutely come to the defense of Japan. It's not historically a Chinese province.
1: I didn't realize how close some of the Japanese islands are to China and Taiwan. Ah, Uh, Good point. For instance, Okinawa, who most people only know Okinawa as as a word because of the horrible fighting that happened there during World War II. Why was it such bloody fighting? The bloodiest fighting of all of World War II between the United States and Japan? Because strategically, it was so important. Japan knew if they lost Okinawa, they'd lose their whole country. That's why they were fighting to the death for it. Same thing would happen here. China takes Taiwan. Okinawa is so close. Japan would just be a, a tiny hop, skip, and jump from taking Okinawa, and it would just be a matter of time before they take Japan. hmm Which is freaking frightening. Wow.
2: Wow, I would say. Yeah. So the, the one other thing I'd like to chuck into the discussion is uh, I was reading a piece by Gordon Chang, the title of which is Joe Biden's Taiwan policy is now a total disaster. And the important thing about this, just to summarize it very briefly, he mentions a couple of times uh, on, the, on that unwatched and unwatchable CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper the other day. And uh, earlier um, he told ABC News's George Stephanopoulos that the U.S. would defend um, NATO partners, including Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan. So he has said clearly, yes, we will defend Taiwan, even though the official policy of the United States, love it or hate it, is this strategic ambiguity. We might, we might not. But then he points out that um, <clears throat> if anything's unclear, it's the situation after the clarifications from Biden administration officials. Press Secretary Joan Saki walked it back. State Department spokesperson Ned Price walked it back. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin walked back Biden's statement to CNN. Um, and he points out there are two causes for concern. First, Biden as commander-in-chief makes foreign policy. The Constitution does not give that power to Jen Saki, Mr. Price, nor General Austin. Beijing may wonder uh, should Americans and others if Biden is still in charge. Second, the instant clarifications undermine deterrence. Biden's statement was clear and unambiguous, a warning to Beijing. The clarifications, on the other hand, tell China the United States is not committing itself to defending Taiwan.
1: One other thing to mention on this, and this is one guy's opinion I heard on a podcast, and he's a Japanese expert. Um, uh, You know, how right he is, I don't know. But he said the upcoming Japanese election, which is this Sunday on Halloween, is the most important election in the entire history of Japan. Wow, whether or not they elect a majority of of uh, people in their parliament that are for defending themselves against, uh, you know, going to Taiwan's aid or not, that will hmm. determine Japan's future and maybe the future of the rest of the world. The wow. election this Sunday, are they going to cool. elect mostly people who say, "Hey, Taiwan goes, we're at war with Japan with, with China immediately." Or not. And apparently there are a lot of politicians similar to the United States that are making so much money off of China. They're kind of, eh, China takes them on. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Japan's constitution still says they can only have a defensive military force. Correct. So is that kind of the pivot there? Well, they've, they've beefed up quite a bit in the last year. And that's a different yeah. topic. And I want to get okay. so up. But yeah. if this is the most important election in Japan's history all around Taiwan, I don't know. I'll be paying attention to this Sunday. And we'll talk about it on Monday, I'm sure.
2: So there are a couple of uh, blue cities that have become uh, uh, godforsaken hell holes. The why and uh, what can be done about it coming up in a couple of minutes. we got that phalanx, thousands of migrants heading for our border. Oh, man, there's a lot to talk about today. Don't go away.
0: The
1: Armstrong and Getty Show. So Facebook was telling us all that it was about the likes. It's the likes that they pay attention to for the uh, algorithms and what you get. No, it's the emojis. Behind the scenes, they're looking at the emojis, which is pretty Mm. interesting. Well, we'll talk about that coming up.
2: And we have more crime malfeasance and poor governance to talk about. But, you know, there's been a lot of that. There is a lot of that. How about something kind of life-affirming and cool? A number of people have asked us to uh, to touch on this. I was super enthusiastic when I saw it myself. Uh, this is Steve Hartman from CBS doing a report on Dad's On Duty.
0: You're going to love this, I promise, 70. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana.
1: Plagued with violence. That's Over
0: the course of three days,
1: another
2: fight 23 students Southwood arrested for
0: fighting. Massive police response to but Southwood High School. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are? Dads. we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. What we do. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about forty Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like
2: that horse. Just go ahead and roll on with 71, Michael. I immediately
0: felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting, people started going to class. How could that be?
1: You ever heard of a look?
0: A look dads have the power to do that yes <laughs> not many people know it but yes <laughs> let's go let's go but it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings let's make it to class my son it's also the dad jokes
1: And they hate it they're so embarrassed by it
0: <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school the school has really just been like happy and you can feel it which is why the dad's plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody yeah. has the father, the father figure at home. Or a male period in their life. So yeah. just to be here makes a big difference. Do you think you stumbled onto something here? Absolutely. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a good morning. They'd like to start chapters of Dad's On Duty throughout Louisiana. What's up, baby boy? And hope to eventually take on the country. All right without a fight (laughs) steve hartman on the road in shreveport
1: louisiana well i hadn't heard that that is a good story you know what it makes me think of is hillary clinton saying it takes a village she was absolutely right about that what she is wrong about that is her crowd when they say it takes a village they mean a village of bureaucrats with titles and degrees
2: right Right, exactly, and the video package of that news report is worth watching, and, and we'll try to post it at armstrongandgetty.com. I think we have it, or, or if not, we will very soon, um, because it, it it's such a great illustration of why dads are so important, and the mix of the arm around the shoulder, the laugh, the silly joke, the stern look, the encouragement – The coaching, it was just beautiful. It was life-affirming. And the kids, all of the kids, responded like it was magic. And peace and productivity came to the school because they had role models and they had somebody who cared enough to tell them and ask them to do the right thing.
1: Do we want parents telling schools what they should do? I don't know about that. Hell yes, we do, Terry McAuliffe. Hell yes. Armstrong
0: and Getty. The Armstrong
1: and Getty Show. World Series starts in Houston, Texas, with the Astros taking on the Braves. Two states that make you show your ID to vote, which yeah. was seen as worse than Jim Crow. It's
2: Jim Crow on steroids. That's why they took the
1: all-star game away from Georgia. Now you got two states where you have to show your ID to vote for the yeah. World Series. Sorry, Major League Baseball. You virtue-signaling, hypocritical
2: jackasses, (laughs) taking all that business away from all those black folks, the merchants in Atlanta, and instead putting it in lily-white Denver. Just unforgivable stupidity.
1: Over something 80% of Americans agree with.
2: Right, right, yeah. Even better. Unbelievable. This is how the the Maoist, fundamentalist, vicious mob gets their way. Anyway, uh, speaking of that sort of person, I'm going to start our little journey here in San Francisco, which has... Descended from one of the most beautiful, interesting, fun, pretty places on God's earth, to a to a large extent, a, a third world hellhole. It's, it's a sick it's enough. It's awful. The skid row, the poop, the open drug bazaars where people are trading this new kind of meth that melts away people's minds, and the authorities have been told not to do anything about it. It's just it's awful. Like so many cities, um, and and there are uh, quite a list. Um. Well, start in san francisco the district attorney attorney is a fellow by the name of chesa bodine he is the child of uh, terrorists um weather underground members he was uh raised by bill ayers uh, when his parents were put in uh, federal prison for murder um and he is the radical left district attorney and they're trying to uh they're trying to get him recalled because he doesn't prosecute anybody he's he, he just he believes in letting criminals go because they're only stealing and robbing and murdering because of you know white supremacy and the oppression of capitalism this guy actually believes that uh, a new development two san francisco prosecutors have quit their jobs um now that's not notable because a third ...of the district attorney's office has quit or been fired because they can't work with this guy. But two more prosecutors have quit their jobs and joined the effort to recall him. Brooke Jenkins and Don Dubain. I know Jenkins identifies as very progressive, but said he's not progressive, he's a radical. His approach to crime has resulted in releasing offenders without rehabilitation... Placing them in a position to reoffend," said Jenkins, uh, he has proven that his policies and approaches anything but progressive that's extreme and radical. And as a result, we've seen crime increase, Justice wane, and lives be lost. The two are among at least 50 lawyers who quit or were fired since Boudin became district tern- attorney just last year. So... And they got 83,000 uh, petitioners to to sign uh, the petition. That's 32,000 more than is needed. So the momentum is building there. Uh, great piece in the California Globe, which obviously deals with California politics. Um, during the weekend, the San Francisco Police Association said 120 officers would be placed on administrative leave instead of get the COVID vaccine. The significance of that is that um, the city leadership, the mayor, said the recent retail closures in the city were not closed due to crime. Uh, not at all. Uh, crime is rising rapidly in the city. The DA refuses to prosecute. Uh, a rise in prosecutions against police officers has made many cops terrified of doing their jobs, and they're quitting in droves. So anyway, it's just one more piece of evidence. And then um, uh, oh, robberies have become more daring, by the way, it's worth mentioning that's when somebody takes your stuff by force or threat of force happening at times and places and against certain people. They were unlikely before Daring daylight robbery in Neiman Marcus in July reporter getting mugged while reporting in car theft in March. Neiman
1: celebrity. Marcus.
2: Well, you don't expect to get robbed there. Some tick tock celebrity. Other than the, robbed the price gunpoint. of those shoes. Come on that's now. Practical robbery right there. So anyway, that's the situation. Um, and it is decaying quickly. Um, and that leads up to this piece that I thought was terrific by Jason Riley, who is a, uh, a very smart, thinking, sane black man who writes for uh, primarily the Wall Street Journal. He's one of their editorial writers. Um, and he said, the connection between crime control and social inequality doesn't get a lot of attention in the media. But last week's decision by pharmacy chain Walgreens to close five more stores in San Francisco because of rampant shoplifting is another reason why it should. That brings to 22 the number of stores Walgreens has shut in the city in the last few years. Um, then he goes into statistics where the theft in Walgreens in San Francisco is many multiples the average for stores elsewhere in the county. Uh, likewise, CVS, which has closed at least two stores and considering more, <clears throat> uh, that, that, uh, that uh, the, the theft in San Francisco is a huge percentage of the overall theft of CVS's uh, in the entire region. Then he mentions that much of the lawlessness can be linked to Prop 47, a California ballot initiative passed in 2014 by the unwise and or idiotic voters, which under which theft of less than $950 in goods is treated as a nonviolent misdemeanor and almost never, ever prosecuted. Meanwhile, because of the tort environment and just concern for safety, stores tell employees and security guards don't intervene when you witness a crime. Most suspects, if they're pursued by police at all, are soon released. California effectively decriminalized retail theft. Not surprisingly, there is more of it. Excuse me. So, um, and then they mentioned some, or Jason Riley mentioned some national statistics, but here's his point in bringing all of this to your, uh, to your attention. These trends don't affect all groups and communities in the same way. Target has closed stores in predominantly black sections of Chicago. Milwaukee, Flint, Michigan, in recent years, in the wake of not only increased store thefts, but also rioting, looting, and violent anti-police protests. If you're middle class and the nearest big box store closes, you simply drive to a different one, or it's equivalent, because there's surely a competitor nearby. But if you're a poor single mom without a car, for instance, your options are very limited. You've lost access, perhaps, to the closest, cheapest, and widest variety of fresh produce, medicines, and other goods. The alternatives are more expensive convenience stores and less, less healthy processed food for your family. One more point, when these large retailers leave a community, so do a hell of a lot of jobs.
1: Mm, Yeah, funny that nobody ever brings that up.
2: Well right, yeah, in June, the New York Times profiled a target in mostly black Baltimore, a mostly black Baltimore community that opened its stores in '08. recruited heavily from the neighborhood, hired people who had never been steadily employed uh, they they mentioned a bunch of different individuals who were down on their luck but then got a gig. Nevertheless, the mall where the target was located was looted during anti police pro- protests in 2015. The store reportedly struggled for years uh, high rates of theft it closed in 2018. His point, obviously, and you're probably way ahead of him and me at this point, is that these policies on crime, the non-prosecution, the non-intervention, all of it, that whole unholy stew, it is horrible, horrible for poor Americans, for poor urban Americans, for black and brown Americans. Of course. as that prosecutor said, the last thing this guy is is progressive. He's a radical because those prosecutors, and God bless them for quitting their jobs to try to get this guy recalled, they see what these policies do in the communities, and they're devastating. Yeah, they're that's, awful.
1: That is an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's not going to affect me that you close down the Walgreens in the inner city. not going to have any effect on me.
2: Nope. Nope. Maybe when I'm in the city, I'll occasionally slide down there because I forgot some toothpaste or something like that. But no, the people who live and, and work there and depend on it—it's devastating to them. I've said it many times. I'm not trying to be smug. I believe this in my heart. The fastest way to discredit progressive policies is to enact them. You want to? We we have an email. It's sitting right over there, out of reach, but I'll grab it at some point. Talking about the decay of Portland, Oregon, another one of the great cities in the world. And how it's just become awful because it's gone so far left. Compassion without order is chaos and ugliness. They've tried it, and we see the results.
1: Um, Coming up, we're going to talk about Facebook and emojis. Well, I just said emojis. Um, I think I just learned emoji is a word like deer. Did you know that, or is that correct? I think it's Uh, plural. Uh, There's a deer. There are a whole bunch of deer. I think emojis like that, at least in this article, they refer to emoji in a way that would make me think it's the singular and the plural. I believe it is a Japanese
2: term that's been appropriated, but I will tell you that 98% of America uses an S
1: at the end. Says emojis? In this article, they say, no matter how many emoji you use. No. 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 (laughs) Not doing it. If you use an S at the end of emojis,
2: I'm fine with you. If you use it at the end of Deers, I will roll my eyes. If you use it at the end of Illinois, you pronounce that, we've got to fight.
1: That's my rule. Because you're from Illinois. Firm and fast. That reminds me, we got this text. We were talking about Robert E. Lee and being a traitor. Lincoln invaded the South with federal military, and you claim Robert E. Lee is a traitor? So we got at least one texture that wants to uh, jump ugly with Abe Lincoln. And be on, I'm, on the I'm not... Of-
2: no, no. Nice um, nice job of baiting me. I am not a bass. I'm not jumping for that silly, silly argument.
1: So this is kind of interesting what Facebook has been doing for years and why you get fed a stream of angry stuff to stoke your anger. Their algorithm is different than what they were saying out loud. I have that for you next.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
1: Favorite sentences I've seen in quite some time. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos, legally people, says U.S. Judge. Hmm.
2: Let that me say is surprising
1: that again, on multiple levels. Let me say that again just so you can fully comprehend what I just said. Yes. Pablo Escobar, you know who he is? He's the drug kingpin who ran Colombia for many years as a narco state. Right. Uh, killed in 1993. A couple of fantastic movies and books about him. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. He had hippos at his zoo. He had his own zoo there at his home just to show how rich and powerful he was. They're not really cocaine hippos, but he bought the hippos with cocaine money, so they're calling them cocaine hippos. Cocaine hippos, decent
2: new wave band name in the 80s.
1: Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos legally people, says U.S. judge. In what could end up being a major ruling, a San Francisco court shock, shocking, Hello, has crossed a line that hadn't been crossed by other courts when it had come up in recent years. There's a a movement out there to give animals the same rights as people, legally speaking. And this court in San Francisco apparently has at least a little bit opened the door to that.
2: The heavily pierced and tattooed judge who identifies as transpanogenic
1: It's it's all about these hippos that Pablo Escobar had back in the 80s and 90s, and then when he was killed, they just left the hippos to roam around his ranch. Well, now they have grown from 35 to around 80, and there are concerns that they're going to start breaking loose and killing people or affect the natural wildlife or whatever. But anyway, so some people were going to start sterilizing the hippos. Some animal rights activists stood up and fought that in court, and a judge said, yeah, they have the same rights as people. You can't. You can't sterilize these hippos, considering uh hippos in the same category as humans so this is seen as a big deal and we'll no, see they're if not yes you can where are the hippos have they been ported to the u.s is no they're that... they're in Colombia, and uh and Colombia is saying you don't have any jurisdiction over our hippos anyway we'll do whatever we want with these hippos. clearly this judge needs a mental health examination anywho the overall point of this is it might open the door to some further cases where animals monkeys being experimented on dr fauci doing horrible things to beagles um uh might have more rights, so we'll see. There's that story. Colombian co Soon people. they'll
2: have the vote.
1: You watch. So uh, I don't have the same angle on this story as a lot of people do. Facebook lying to us about their product doesn't really bother me. Um, they get to do whatever they want. You know, your, your local grocery store puts the candy by the register because they know the kids are going to be there with mom and say, please, can I have some gum, please? And they just say, okay, and put it there. That's why they do it. They've got a reason for it. Why does Facebook do some of the stuff they want to do? To make the most money. It just it doesn't bother me that they tell us differently out loud. Does it bother you? Well, yeah,
2: if they lie outwardly, sure. Yeah, I don't want to do business with somebody who constantly lies to me. I mean, your example is just, that's commerce. That's not lying.
1: Okay, well, let's see if this example fits in or not. So they uh, had been saying for years that it's all about the likes. You know, like this article or don't like this article. And then we have algorithms that will send you more information. Uh, based on the likes. Turns out that's not the way they were doing it. They were basing it on the emojis in the content of the replies, hmm. and they found that that was more accurate in figuring out how you felt about stuff and what sort of content you wanted. So they started a uh, uh, year five years ago with uh, you could you could like things with either a love a ha ha, a ha ha, uh, wow <laughs> a single ha <ha-ha>. ha, <laughs> wow sad or angry. But it turns out that's not actually what they were using to determine how you felt about something. They were looking at the emojis you put in your various replies. And that gave them more indication of what you wanted. And particularly, if you used any sort of angry emoji, because they say emoji is plural on its own. If you used any sort of angry emoji, that meant, oh, you were really into this. And they'd send you, send you more of these posts. And that is what was going on behind the scenes that was leading... People who are already angry about a certain thing to be fed more news and posts that would make them even more angry about a certain thing and keep the content up. So it wasn't the likes, it was the emoji. Uh, Posts that sparked angry reaction emoji were disproportionately likely to include misinformation, toxicity, and low-quality news, is the other part of it.
2: Wow, wow, well, Facebook doesn't care why you're engaged, just that you're engaged, no matter how toxic it might be yeah I,
1: well again, I just I don't see why i don't I don't know that doesn't bother me now, if they're lying to stockholders, that is its own thing um that's its own thing that people have to figure out in the courts, but manipulating billions of people into hating each other doesn't bother you well, I wish they that's wouldn't. the way I, I see just, it. I just don't see how we could how we gonna stop it. How, how are you going to stop that? By drawing people's attention to it and well, saying, beware of Facebook. It's okay. a hellhole. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm willing to. Do- I already think Facebook is a hellhole. Maybe that's mm-hmm. where our disconnect is. I think Facebook is evil and is out to. It doesn't care if it destroys the world by making a profit. But I,
2: irredeemable.
1: But I don't think the government needs to do anything to them because they're looking at your emojis and saying, hey, this guy's angry. Anytime you talk about guns, let's send him more gun stories.
2: Right. And a lot of what they claim to want to do is unsquareable with the First Amendment anyway. It's just grandstanding. Over in Europe, where they have crazy restrictive laws on speech, which are loathsome, they have gotten away with doing more actual control of the algorithms. But it's
1: not going to happen. Here. It's kind of interesting that emoji are a better indicator of your mood about something than uh, the... The clicking on love ha ha wow sad <laughs> that's an entirely different sort of ha ha love ha ha, wow, sad and angry, yeah, there you yeah know. it's it's something does does Facebook get credit for inventing this more or less? You figure out what really sets somebody off, and then you just give them tons of that stuff, and you realize pretty quickly that they don't care if it's well sourced or if it. You know, holds together as a story, they just want to read it because they, they're kind of uh uh what's um oh, jeez, I'm I'm thinking of really coarse terms. Um uh angry <laughs> angry reading revenge reading, um yeah, well, yeah. That, I get what you're that, trying. That in. people have a tendency to want to do that. They want to read something that makes them mad. I hate the way Biden does this, and I want to read more of it because somehow I get some sort of weird good feeling that I enjoy out of reading more stories that make me mad about Biden or Trump or whatever your particular thing is. You're attacking one's enemy. All right. Does yeah. Facebook get credit for inventing that? I wonder. They might be. They might be the first to to strike upon that weird human emotion. You wouldn't think. That a human being would want to seek out something that makes them mad. But Facebook would say otherwise. No, people do. At the end of a long day, they want something to confirm their anger. You know, a lot of the tabloidish
2: newspapers have been selling horror porn. And crime and, 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 and blood and the rest of it for a long time. Similar form. But, I mean, Facebook took that basic principle and, and made it a just unspeakably gigantic profit center for them.
1: I don't feel like I'm that way. Maybe I am and I just don't realize it. I don't feel like I, I like stuff that may, well, here's another example of why everything's going to hell. I don't f- think I'm like that, but maybe I am and I just don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Here's another know. example why the schools suck. Here's another example of why guns are bad, you know, whatever your topic is.
2: Right. I th- I think you probably do go for it. I know I do because it is, especially if it's a good, solid argument that represents what I think
1: is important. Well, what Facebook would say is you don't care if it's a good, solid argument. You just want another story. And it's from the Indonesian Times, quoting somebody who isn't actually a doctor. They, they, they say you don't care. You just want more ammunition for your anger. About something,
2: yeah. Well, yeah, I, I am more picky for professional reasons, but I get the
1: point. It's all about your emoji. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'd give an angry face emoji to San Francisco and the other cities that have canceled crime. And one more note from that Jason Riley piece, he, he says the incredibly obvious thing: indulging criminal behavior in the name of social justice only helps criminals who are not representative of all black people. Stop pretending all black people are criminals. If you miss a part of the show, go to armstrongandgetty.com.